Good morning, friends. Uh, welcome to this pre-recorded worship service for January the 18th, coming to you from the Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad you joined us, and we pray that as we share this hour of worship together, you will experience the presence of God in a special way. In the space of your home you have made for worship, let us dwell not on current issues or crises, but upon the peace which God wants to give us and invite him to be present to us. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God.
People of God, we know that sometimes Jesus calls us into discomfort that we might be changed. We hold faith that Christ is with us in our discomfort. We know that in Christ there is no longer Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, black nor white. We know that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to give up what we have and follow him. We know Jesus commanded we not only confess, but repent for our sin. Let us join together in our prayer of confession. Most holy and merciful God, we have condemned racial injustice in our pronouncement, yet we cling to the privileges derived from social inequities. All too often, we are blind to our complicity in maintaining systems of oppression and deferring the hopes and dreams of the oppressed for freedom. Give us the courage to name our sin. Give us the strength to claim responsibility for our actions. Give us the grace to pay the price for changing our behavior. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We are welcomed into God's redeeming presence. We are children of our Creator who loves us. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus, who was obedient to God and faithful to the law of love, even in the face of the cross. Through suffering, Christ became the source of eternal salvation for us, realized when we embrace the covenant in truth and faithfulness. The burden of our sin is lifted from us, and let us hold one another accountable to this work in the name of Christ. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us recite together the words that have kept us strong and connected in our faith across the ages. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We now invite you to reach out to someone near or far and send them encouraging words through Christ our Lord. Peace be with you. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you have found us on your device. Okay, friends, we really need some help with something. 
As most of you know, every year, in accordance with our book of order, we are required to have an annual meeting. The government of a PCUSA church is representative, which means that you, the people, elect and vote for elders, deacons, shepherding deacons, and our memorial board. You also vote on the terms of call for the pastors. Well, our bylaws state that we must have a quorum, which has never been a problem for us in a normal year because our annual meetings are actually great fun as we look back and celebrate and we look ahead in anticipation of what God will be doing in our lives as a church family. Unfortunately, our bylaws do not have an addendum for COVID. So here's what we need you to do. Please mark your calendar for Sunday, January 31st. And then we have three options for you. We are all going to worship together on Sunday, January 31st. One service, one church, one quick annual meeting. You can join us in person here in the sanctuary. We believe and hope to accommodate everyone that would be worshiping at 9, 10, and 11. It will be very important for you to pre-register so that we make sure that we can socially distance. You can also watch from home as you are perhaps doing a, as of this recording the same way that you have always done. And then at the end, you will link into the Zoom meeting or you can worship with us via Zoom and that link will be on our website. So you will already be logged in for the meeting when it starts which we intend for it to start at 9.30 on Sunday, January 31st. Thank you so much for your help with that. Well, while you're marking your candles, candles, calendars, remember that Ash Wednesday is coming up just around the corner. We have a service planned for February 17th at 6.30 that will be in person in the sanctuary, as well as live streamed so you can watch it from the safety of your home. Wednesday Night Life continues with Pastor Steve on 20th Century Saints. This Wednesday at 6.30, Steve will be talking about the documentary on Simone Weil, and you can register for that on Zoom uh, on our website, and we would ask that you watch the documentary before the class if you're able. This Monday, January 18th, the Sermon Discussion Group will resume. That is at 10 a.m. on Mondays, and the new Zoom link is on our website, so please make sure you go and grab that new link. And finally, if you want to get a head start on the next book that we're going to be discussing as a congregation from our Race and the Church um, team, we are going to read and talk about CAST by Isabel Wilkerson in about a month, but you might want to get the book, It Changed My Life. That's all I'm going to say for now. More details will be coming. Well, now it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you our two newest members, Bonnie and Dennis Gear. They are so happy to be in Florida and to have found Church of the Palms. We are delighted that Bonnie and Dennis are joining us in our mission to love God and to love neighbor. If you too are interested in becoming a part of our faith family in a real um, intentional way, just reach out to Pastor Mingy. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this family of faith and for the people you continue to call together. Today, especially, we give you thanks for Bonnie and Dennis. May they grow deeper in their relationship with you as they worship, fellowship, study, and serve alongside the wonderful people at Church of the Palms. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, my God. 
God of all races and nations, we praise you for all your faithful servants who said yes to you and followed your call. For all who have done justice, loved mercy, and walked humbly with you. For apostles, martyrs, leaders, and saints, and for humble folk whose names were never in the news, but are recorded in your book of life. We give you thanks. Especially this day, we give you thanks for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., for his courage and conviction, for his passion for peace, and for his tireless quest for a nation that keeps faith with its promises. We give you thanks. For the legacy of Coretta Scott King and the King family, Rosa Parks, James Meredith, John Lewis, and countless others who stood in the front lines and marched, integrated schools and restaurants, walked long distances for many months until buses allowed all people to sit where they chose. We give you thanks. For nameless multitudes who suffered the tortures of slavery and the tyranny of oppression, who were beaten, raped, and lynched. And for the nameless multitude today who whose lives are stunted and cut short by economic and social structures of brutality and racism. We grieve and promise to work for justice, O oh God and for children, women, and men of every race and nation who are denied education, health care, jobs, safety, housing, and hope. We grieve and promise to work for justice, O oh God. Gracious God, you create us, you love us, and you call us. You make us to live together in a community. We thank you for all your children who have been filled with your vision for our lives and who have served to bring your vision into reality. Fill us with your vision. Guide us in our working to build the beloved community where everyone is welcomed, all are valued, power is shared, privilege is no more, and all your children know wholeness and well-being. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, next week we will be releasing our annual report for 2020 and as difficult a year as it has been for the world and for you and me, it has also been an amazing year of ministry and service here at Church of the Palms. You will read in that report that thousands and thousands have been fed, cared for, and connected to. Our global partners have received our full support. Our preschool continue to care for working families. We've been able to enter into the homes of thousands and thousands of people through our new daily devotions and Sunday live stream. And we've been able to make some badly needed improvements on our campus. We kept the light on, and the Spirit of Christ has touched countless many. And it's all due to the Spirit of God working through you to release your generosity. God has been so generous through you over this past year, and we have more to do. 2021, for all we can see, will be no less difficult. Our ways of giving are up on your screen, and in this moment of reflection, we invite you to count your blessings while we wonder how we might be still a blessing to others. Let us continue to worship.
us pray. God of grace, we don't always know how secure we might be or how much money we might have, but we choose to give money to you with a gracious and light heart. We thank you for those who gift boldly and cheerfully. We all know that our security lies in your grace more than any other financial account we might have. So I pray that you will accept our people's gifts for the work of your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Now is time for the children's moment. This is Miss Sarah here. So uh, happy to be able to talk to you all this morning. Gather around. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about kindness because kindness is the fruit of the Spirit that we are talking about this month in January. And we actually have a memory verse. I'm going to read it to you. It's from Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So it's interesting. It says clothe yourself. That's interesting, right? So God wants us. It's important to God that we wear kindness like we might wear a coat or a jacket. And I know sometimes it may feel like what difference does it make if I'm kind? What difference does it make if I help my mom out with dinner or I smile at a kid that's new at school? Especially we might feel that way when the world seems kind of crazy or maybe when we see or we hear grown-ups not being kind. We may wonder if our being kind makes any difference at all. Well, I'm here today to tell you that it does, and I know so, and I can prove it with math and also a story about my friend Mary. And this book here is about my friend Mary, Ordinary Mary, and she changed the whole world. And she's just a normal girl, a little girl, went to an ordinary school in an ordinary town. And one day, Mary was coming home from school and she saw a bush full of blueberries. And so she decided to pick some blueberries. And as she was picking the blueberries, she thought of her neighbor, Miss Marjorie, who loves blueberries, as it turns out. And so then she snuck over to Miss Marjorie's house and left a bowl of blueberries on her porch. Well, wouldn't you know that it made Miss Marjorie so, 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 so happy that she made blueberry muffins. And she gave blueberry muffins to five people. And so she secretly delivered muffins to five people. And wouldn't you know then what happened? Well, those five people were so, 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 so happy that they did something nice and kind for another five people. One of them opened the door for five people. Someone else gave food to five people who were hungry. And another one called five people who they, know, who they knew might be sort of lonely. And this kept happening. So now 25 people have received a tiny bit of normal, ordinary Mary's kindness. And it kept going and going and going and on and on. And after 15 days, Ordinary Mary's extraordinary deed, the love that she delivered through that little bowl of blueberries on Mrs. Marjorie's porch reached every person everywhere. So I'm going to show you how it went. I hope you can see this, but otherwise I'll read you some of these numbers. It's really amazing. So here's Mary, right? One person, five muffins, 25 people. And as you come down, this is 15,000 people. 390,000, 48 million people until after 15 days. This is over 6 billion people. Well, 6 billion is even more people than all the people on the planet. So after everyone knew that somebody cared, there was even love left over. So the next time you wonder if you can change the world by being kind, I hope you'll remember that one ordinary day, Ordinary Mary did a perfectly ordinary, extraordinary, stunningly earth-shaking deed. And you can do it too. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, 
for the kindness that you show us and the many ways you bless our lives. Help us to be kind and help us to not make our kindness small. Help us to have the faith to know that you can take little ordinary things and make them extraordinary. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One short public service announcement. We are living right now in a very vulnerable time. Of course, you can say that has been the case for the past 10 months, but perhaps more so now. We are both tired of keeping up with all these precautions to protect one another, and we are encouraged by the release of vaccines to the public. And because of those two things, we might be tempted to lower our guards, to be more casual in our practices, to think that because we have come this far, we are thus invulnerable. But this is not the case. We must remain vigilant. We must do all that we can to keep our distance from each other and to keep masks over mouths and noses. We want to do all that we can here at Church of the Palms to provide these spaces here on our campus for ministry, but we must do so with the utmost concern for safety and service to the public. So our only other recourse would be to close these buildings, and that's not something we ever want to do again. So thank you for helping us as we take up the call to take care of each other by doing all that we can to keep each other safe. Well, for the Sundays of January, we are focusing our attention on the fruit of the spirit of kindness. We have already reflected on love, joy, peace, and patience in September, and now we are in the midst of reflecting on the fruit of kindness. Now, 
Kindness, like many of the other fruit of the Spirit, is a characteristic that we all would like to think ourselves as having. I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody say that they don't have a kind bone in their body. We, we'd all like to think that we have a little bit of kindness within us, and along the way we catch ourselves even committing these random acts of kindness, opening a door for someone, helping someone across the street, letting someone go ahead of us in line, helping someone carry their packages, taking in the newspaper for the next-door neighbor, there are enough of these things that we do to lead us to think, perhaps, that this is kind of one of those fruits of the spirits that we can kind of, you know, pass by quickly for we kind of have it all covered. But I'm not sure the teaching and life and ministry and calling of Jesus will let us off the hook so quickly. For kindness, like all the fruits of the Spirit, has its own depths to which Jesus invites us, wherein we might find a greater joy, a greater meaning, a greater purpose for life. The prophet Micah rhetorically asked the question, what does the Lord require of you? And the answer, to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Love kindness. What does it mean? to love kindness. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how we might fall in love with kindness, and in falling in love with kindness, learn that one, kindness takes risks, two, kindness takes time, and three, kindness takes more than what we may sometimes want to give. So today we're going to look at four stories about kindness, and the first from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Hear the word of God. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And so the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told to the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who'd had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who he had seen... Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it, and then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. There is a lot in this story I just read to you that I don't quite know what to make of. 
I know it's not the kind of sentence with which to start a sermon if the preacher has any hopes of instilling any confidence in his or her listeners. But like a lot of the Bible, this is one of those stories where it's just hard to understand all of what is going on. For example, it's hard to know what to make of this man with the unclean spirit, the demons. He appears to be a pretty sick man. Today we may diagnose his symptoms as suggesting some form of mental illness. We might take him to a psychiatrist or have him admitted to the hospital so that he could get some help. It's hard to understand what people like this are going through, especially when we haven't travel down the same road. It, it can be pretty frustrating and mystifying and bewildering to walk alongside such a person, and it can try your patience. It can almost overwhelm you. Many of you know what I'm talking about. And the temptation is to put some distance between us and them because it's just too puzzling, too scary, sometimes even too dangerous. So these first century folks send this man up into the tombs and bind him with a chain. Horrifying to our 21st century ears. We, we have greater hopes that people like that will get better. And we know enough to realize that like any other illness, folks who are struggling with mental illness need the care of professionals, need patience, they need prayer, need for someone to shorten the distance and get involved in their lives. That's hard, and it's uncertain, and it's exhausting, and it doesn't have a lot of guarantees. Mental illness is uncharted water that leaves many of us not sure what to make of it. I have people in my own life who are very dear to me who have wrestled with mental illness for years and years, and their courage through their struggle is, is something to behold. And thankfully, they have a community of people who encourage them to find the help they need. We're grateful here at Church of the Palms for our partnership with Samaritan Counseling, great mental health counselors who provide people hope for healing and transformation. But absent these kinds of resources, absent a culture that strives to destigmatize mental illness, this first century man is left on his own to face his own demons. Which leads me to the next thing that gives me great wonderment, Jesus stepping into the breach. Mark tells us that Jesus and his disciples had drifted across the Sea of Galilee and made landfall in what he calls the country of the Gerasenes. And the, and the country of the Gerasenes is foreign territory. It's, it's filled with what the people of Israel might say, the unclean, the Gentiles, the undesirables. What in heaven's name is Jesus doing there? much more receptive audiences elsewhere, perhaps much more like-minded folks elsewhere, much more people like us elsewhere, much more socially acceptable types elsewhere. You're never going to get a movement, Jesus, started up in the caves, in the tombs, with someone not in their right mind. Jesus stops, gets out of the boat, and allows himself to be confronted by this unwell man. And instead of backing away, as it appears that everyone else has done in his life, shackle him up, leave him alone to keep hurting himself, Jesus instead engages. Jesus talks to him. Jesus asks his name. Jesus listens to him. Jesus takes this man seriously. I'm not sure what to make of all that. Story number one. Story number two, as many of you know, I have a 66-year-old brother who is blind and has never spoken a word in his life. Jimmy is not mentally ill, but he is profoundly mentally disabled and lives up in Pennsylvania where he is cared for by people who have an amazing calling, a calling I think it's from Jesus, to surround people like my brother with honor and dignity. 
when my brothers and I go to visit Jimmy, we usually take him out for a bite to eat. And when we make our way into whatever restaurant we've chosen, we're glad, I suppose, that he can't see because to be sure, folks are not comfortable with such a different person in their midst. They back away, they stare sometimes, they whisper, and we just pray for a waiter who might have some kindness set aside for folks like Jim. It's always something to behold when someone stops and talks and graciously acknowledges the beauty and the wonder of someone so different. I marvel at it actually because it's not what necessarily comes natural for most of us, myself included. Story number two. Story number three, one we all know. One of the greatest stories ever told, the story that Jesus tells the lawyer when the lawyer asks him about inheriting eternal life. Jesus boils the whole thing down to loving God and loving neighbor, our mission statement here at Church of the Palms. And the lawyer, wanting to do some legal sparring with Jesus, asks him, and who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells him the story about the man who ends up in a ditch. He's been robbed and beaten and left for half dead, and there he is. And the question is, who gives a hoot. Not just who gives a hoot, but because it's hard not to give a hoot for someone as unlucky as that, but, but who gives enough of a hoot to do something about it? Because to do something about it is to get involved and you're never quite sure what you're going to get yourself into when you get yourself involved because these things are complicated and you're never sure what the whole story is and you know you might even be a trap. He may be a decoy for other robbers to rob you and oh, by the way, I've got a meeting to go to and I know there's someone likely less busy than me, less important than me, who will stop and be kind, someone who has a higher risk tolerance. And lo and behold, another one of those foreigners walks by, and it's the foreigner, the Samaritan, the half-breed, who somehow gets the kindness bug and takes the plunge into this man's life. And because his cell phone doesn't get any reception, because other folks don't seem to want to get involved, it's up to him to use his own first aid kit and to use his own mule and to use his own money to pay for a visit to the emergency room and to use his own credit card when he leaves him at the Hampton Inn to rest and heal and to give up the second half of his trip to come back and make sure he's well. Kindness is complicated. Kindness is risky. You never know what you're going to get yourself into. That's story number three. Story number four. It occurs, I think, around when I was five years old. My father was flying into the Youngstown Airport up in Youngstown, Ohio, and my mother is going to pick him up in our Chevy Impala convertible. And because we're happy for our father's return, my older brother and I volunteered to go with my mother to get him. It's a wintry night, and his mother is driving. Sure enough, she can't see the ice on the road ahead of her, and so she loses control of the car, and the car spins to the side of the road and rolls over into a ditch upside down. Did I tell you this was a Chevy Impala convertible? Bad things happen when convertibles end upside down. Except this night at this place, this ditch is just the right size to cradle our Chevy Impala convertible upside down. So there we are, laying on the inside of the roof of the car with no way to get out. Because you're a five-year-old, you start to cry because this is pretty scary, and because your mother can't get the door open, and because you just don't know, you just don't know if anybody's going to be kind enough to stop what's going to happen, I say to myself. And the only thing I can remember after that are these arms. These arms reaching into the car, these arms of this man who has come from nowhere, turns out he was a couple of cars behind us, and he's reaching in somehow, some way, and he's grabbing underneath my arms, and he's pulling me, and he's pulling me out, and he's holding me in his arms, and he's walking me through the snow and the ice to a nearby business that happens to be open. And I say to myself, oh, what a nice man on this cold and icy and wintry night, not knowing what he's going to find when he reaches in his arms into that upturned car, 
what a kind man who got himself involved in the complications of another family's life. I'm not sure what to make of all that. Maybe I thought he was Jesus. Sure felt like Jesus. Sure felt like Jesus, like something Jesus would do. I don't know the man's name. I don't know his religious background. I don't know what we were keeping him from. But Paul says that it had to have been the spirit of Jesus that was in him to have caused him to stop and to take an interest and to take a risk. I think about those arms reaching in and grabbing hold from time to time. And I can't think of any greater evidence of the presence of God. Not that I got rescued, because Lord knows lots of people don't get rescued. Lots of stories don't have those kinds of endings. But the Spirit of God was living in those arms, inside that heart, inside that decision to do something. It's the only way for me to make sense of this. And it makes me wonder if there is something about all these stories that should have me ponder. And I wonder if one of those things is what might be going through the mind of that five-year-old in the ditch or the beaten man in the ditch or the chained man in the tomb or the blind mute man in the restaurant? What might be going through their minds in those moments that the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is not who you voted for. It's not the dumb cable channel you've been watching. The only thing that matters is that someone has been caught in the spirit of kindness. And that in this hard and bitter world, the only thing that might make someone believe again, or for the first time, is that something happens to them that they can't make any sense of. Something deep, something risky, something that looks like Jesus, someone who acts like Jesus. And you got to think that there are all sorts of those kinds of people in our lives every day, folks whose only need might be for someone to be kind, someone to stop, someone to take interest, someone to get involved, someone who has fallen in love with kindness. And it's complicated. And it is uncertain, and it does not come naturally, and it is a fruit only of the Spirit. And for every kindness-deprived soul in ditch or tomb, it's Jesus.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.